Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. I am back. He is back from his whooping flumonia. My hiatus in hell. And he, he seems to be okay. None worse for the wear. Yeah, and Rich even has my volume up. Uh, that may be a rumor. We'll see how this all works out. We're still tweaking that. We're dialing that in, as they say. Yeah, we, we got some feedback um, to the effect that uh, nobody can hear anything I'm saying. Yeah, Rich, shut up and John, speak up. <laughs> that was I suppose the, uh, that's, that's good. People want to hear more of me. Well, let's not go overboard. <laughs> All right. What's going on? I think we got some feedback. We got some good feedback, and I'm a little bit excited about it. Um, this is from Heath, I believe it is. Heath in Arizona. Yeah. He says, good news and bad news. He's caught up. <laughs> I've been catching a show a day for the last week or so, and now I'm current. I still love it, but I'm bummed that I have to wait a week in between. Well, you know, I wish this was my day job. Maybe I'll send audio feedback later and give my vitals, but the purpose of this quick email is to thank you for showcasing great musical talent on your show. I really love the Simon Fox tune on show 15. I placed an order for three copies today on CD Baby, and I'm looking forward to his next release. Simon, if there is more direct, or more direct, less middleman way to buy your music, please let me know. Thanks, guys. Heath in Arizona. Which is really cool, because A... Um... He actually bought the music based on hearing it on our show. And B, he CC'd that email to Simon to let him know that, you know, he really loved his music and that he bought it through hearing it on our program. I'm yeah. a little bit excited about that because that's kind of what I want to do. You yeah. Know, we, we just don't want to play music and have people be indifferent to it. Why are we playing it then? Yeah, we're playing it so that people can, can be exposed to, to new music, to music they're never going to hear on the radio. Well, let's hope that they don't hear it on the radio because... Um, which is giving me that tilted look that the most dog dogs <laughs> yeah. had. Why, why yeah, it just goes back to that, that argument. I said, you know, I would love these people to get recording contracts, but they get raped when they get recording contracts. Right, but you don't have to have a contract to get on the radio. I mean, there's no rule that says you have to have a contract to be on the radio. I mean, you know, he might get played locally, you know, uh, in on, on Australia or something like that. Or there are smaller independent shows that... Uh, and National Public Radio, for example, plays those little sound snippets, you know, before um, All Things Considered. Yeah. You know, they don't play the whole song, but sometimes they do. I heard a really great um, female vocal ensemble called Trio Medieval, uh, and they do sort of um, almost, uh, what do I want to call it? Um, like Renaissance type music. It, to some degree, yeah. And uh, sacred music, like mm. uh, mass, you know, composers used to write masses yep. or mass. And uh, they do stuff like that, and they do some modern uh, composition, too, so they featured them in a segment. But, uh, yeah, so it's not impossible for an independent artist to be heard on the radio. Okay, so let, let me rephrase We it. would love to hear him yes, on the radio. I want these people to be successful, and I want them to get exposure. 
<laughs> that's great. <laughs> and that's why we put them on our show, not just so that we can uh, fill some time. Yeah, no, we, we love it too. And I was so glad that Simon let us do it and uh, hopefully he'll let us play some more. And it's proving this model that you put stuff on podcasts and sales are made. Skyrocketing. Skyrocketing, yes. But it's cool. It's three CDs he didn't have without it being on our show. That's right. Three sales. Didn't cost him anything to advertise on this show. That's right. (laughs) I'm a little bit excited. Yes, that's that's very cool. So yeah, keep the feedback coming. We want to hear anything that you've got, even if you hate the music. We want to hear that too, because... We're not going to be blasting people on the show, that's that's for sure, but you know, we do want to hear people's opinions. So, and again, if you hate us, email that as well. Email it to Rich. Yeah, to uh <laughs> yeah, definitely do that. My email address is president at whitehouse.gov. <laughs> that's right. And, and and say that you've got a bomb. <laughs> that that would be a really good idea. Yeah. Um so yeah, I'm I'm back and I had a little bit of a sickness and and my voice was completely shot, more shot than it is normally. I heard it. He was yeah. pretty, he was a hurting unit, as they say. <laughs> yeah. And during that time, I spent a lot of time on the couch watching TV. Um, and then uh, I started thinking, you know, I really don't have the energy to do anything, to think. I just want to sit back and, and watch some of the boob tube. Um, but there was a show that I've been hearing a lot about and have wanted to to, uh, to catch a few episodes. And I certainly couldn't watch it on demand. Um, and then after Apple put out their new video iPod, they released these television shows where you could purchase a show for two bucks for one episode. So I gave it a shot. I bought the pilot episode of the show Lost, which everyone's been raving about. And I was just completely addicted to it. I ended up watching the entire first season while I was sick. I'd watch it, but I can't find it. Yeah, it's lost. It's lost. Very, very funny. I don't have the clap track. Um but yeah, I got I got completely wrapped up into that show, and I have to say, it's an interesting show. It's um, fairly well done, and it's following a long line of shows that manipulates the hell out of the audience. They just take every single trick and throw it at you to get you watching that next show. It's it's the television equivalent to potato chips. I haven't seen it. I yeah. can't uh, talk about it at all, actually. But I will say that. Uh, this topic in general is is an interesting topic because I I don't watch much TV. I you know I was a bit of a sci fi geek. I would watch Star Trek when it was on. You know Enterprise, the Bacula thing last year, and that got canceled. We could talk about that, but let's not. We can play the song again. Yeah, we could. <laughs> Scott Cracula. <laughs> and um, I actually don't want to turn on my television. I mean, I turn it on to watch DVD movies all the time, but I don't want to turn it on because I'm afraid there might be a good show on that hooks me and i just don't want to get hooked on television you know it's bad enough that i I, my my guilty pleasure is that show that's on sundays totally extreme home makeover you know they build homes for like pretty pretty deserving people and it's Mm -hmm. it's actually kind of cool so that's my secret pleasure you know i won't tell anybody about that one but uh i do make time to watch that um actually tape it and watch it but anyway yeah it's and i found myself while i enjoyed them just like potato chips you know you you find yourself enjoying them but after seeing so many, your your mind is just numb. And my mind is a blank. My mind is totally a blank. So that's that. Um, I think we're just going to kick into a, a tune. I don't have anything more to say about television. Other than... Don't watch as don't much as I did when I was sick. And, and uh, it will make you dumb. Yeah. So what have we got? We've got a tune. It's called Jet Black by a band called Twin Cam. Gotta cool. love that name. Jet Black. I know I'll get that girl back by midnight. It's airtight, seems like we're never on a bed. Be- 
It's a good rock song. I like those sustaining guitars at the end. Good Reminds stuff. me a little bit of that uh, Weezer song, like that that Buddy Holly song they mm-hmm. did. Yeah, it had a similar feel to that. Totally. Yeah, that's where'd we get that? That was from the PodsafeMusicNetwork.com. You can t- find some great stuff for your podcasts on there, and you kind of got to sift through it. It's not all great. <laughs> yeah, you have to sift through it, and don't always trust the ratings. Right. Yeah. Because the ratings can be spoofed. Well, it's yeah, they can. And how many people uh, listen to movie, uh, crit, you know, movie critics anyway? Movie critics? Well, I, well, I'm just saying. Critics you know, in general, yeah. Critics in general are movie critics. So I don't care what the critics say. I'm going to go see it and judge for myself. Well, great, that's cool. Yep. Yeah, and do that. And uh, there's not a ton up there. I mean, you could probably spend an entire day going through the the Podsafe Music Network, but uh, there's not a ton. So, um. Yeah, sift through it. There's some good and some bad and some indifferent. But I think the selection has grown since we've started looking. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you should sort it by date. You know, you can keep looking at it. It's one thing that um, I'm not sure if they've got it on there, but a a feed where you can see what's the latest stuff that gets posted. But that might be a feature they should add. Yeah. I'd be into that. Well, we could post that on that little news group we post to. John, I must say this is an excellent wine selection today. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, this is a Robert Mondavi Pinot Noir. 2002. We call, we call him Bob. Bob. Well, I don't know him that well. Not as well as you. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I picked it up uh, today. That is a, a nice bottle of wine to bring us back because um, two shows ago when John was here, he wasn't sort of feeling well, so he didn't feel like having the wine. The acidity, I think, uh, would have yeah. wreaked havoc with his stomach. Yep. I'm all better now. I'm back to my drinking form. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We got our uh, drinking muscles back. That's right. Yeah. I, a friend of mine, speaking of ridiculous arguments, <laughs> a friend of mine way, way back when, he used to say that um, he used to smoke to strengthen his lungs or something like that. He used to say that smoking actually made his lungs stronger because well, it stressed him out. <laughs> haven't you seen that classic photograph from early an early tour to France, so like when I say early, I mean like 1915, oh, yeah. 1920. There's guys smoking cigarettes before the mountain stages because they thought it opened their lungs up or something or, or made it so that their lungs could, you know, take in more air right. for the cardio work they needed to do climbing the mountains. And there's this really famous black and white photo of all these guys just taking a quick toke before they uh, they went up the mountain. It's great. <laughs> and I think we used to joke about Greg Lamond doing that too. <laughs> For different reasons, we did. We did because there was there was a rampant rumor that he might have smoked the Mary Jane, <laughs> reefer madness with with Greg uh, Lamond, and now he's yeah. Anyway, we won't go there, but yeah. um, we love Greg, three time Tour de France winner, and uh, just all around great guy. Yeah, I never met him. Anyways, yeah. Um, topic du jour. We actually have a topic, and yeah. it was thought of before today. Which is the yeah. great thing. Well, it was thought up during the week, and it was solidified today. Yeah, we we for the past month we've been coming to the table with no topics. Our our lack of preparation has been our strength, it would seem. Yeah, and and this one's really not completely prepared. I'm just going to kick the topic off and let's see where it goes. Yeah, I dare yes, you. So this week, um, I was listening to a, a podcast on IT conversations. It was a rebroadcast of a, a presentation done by Paul Graham at the Open Source Conference. And I think it was, you know, it was August of 2005. Um, and the topic was essentially what we could learn, what business can learn from open source and blogging. Yeah, Paul Graham, he's a um, computer scientist. And now he's an author. He He's famous for a book called Hackers and Painters, which is an interesting topic about um, hacker lifestyle. Anyways, he um, he developed ViaWeb, 
which was bought by Yahoo back in the early days of the web. So he made his fortune, and now he's a writer, and he's also a speaker. So he was speaking at this open source conference, and um, yeah, the, the, the points that he was making were, I don't know, they, they struck a nerve with me because I've worked in some sterile environments, and I could always wonder why people thought that these environments were productive. And I didn't find them very productive at all. In fact, they, I found them um, sucking the life out of me, I'd say. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, if you read my uh, bio on my blog, <laughs> I say something about that with respect to me. Yeah. And um, in fact, I've, I've left several jobs because of this, um, not because of the work, not because the work that I was doing wasn't interesting. It was because I found myself not caring about the work simply it, because of the environment. It was the life sucking. It was the, li- <laughs> it was the life sucking. It was like this giant sucking sound coming from the head office. The vicious vortex of sucking. Yeah. So some of the points that he makes um, are about the work hours and and I'm and I'm really uh big on this one too having specific work hours that people are there uh he cracks me up and, and he's very funny when he's speaking he has some he's, a, he's an interesting way of uh putting things together and I'm not going to steal his thunder um but he I would like you to go to the when I say steal his thunder I'd like you to go to the the IT conversations uh site and download the podcast and, and listen to it it's still posted up there um, but he, he talks about the, the work hours, um, being there at a specific time. Um, in my previous job, I had to, had to be at, at the job at a specific time. Um, and I found myself, um, resenting that and, and Graham brings this point up very, very strongly. Um, and he even, he even makes the point about his own personal experience where he used to be self-employed. He had his own business and he had the ability to essentially do the same job, but working for someone else and having to do certain things at a certain time. I mean, he found himself resenting the job, the same job that he was doing just because of the the work environment. So, um, yeah, Rich, I'm not sure if you've had similar experiences, but, um, just the, the people around you, the, the, the fact that you've got these rules imposed on you makes it harder to do the job that you're being paid for. Well, I think it, it for me, it goes back to something that applies to many things, not just the workplace, but there are these rules that are in place that are believed to be true and they're not true, but they've never been challenged, right? Um, I mean, you know, that, that consistent work hours are necessarily great for productivity. You know, that would be the rule here that we're mm-hmm. challenging, right? But I mean, the, for me, it's true both in the office and outside of office. I mean, uh, there are other areas where there are these things that are accepted that, you know, nobody would question them, but why not? They're just ridiculous, you know? I'm, I don't know if you want me to go into them. Yeah, but definitely. I, well, for example, the idea that um, market forces rule a market economy. Well, okay. That may be true until you get into monopolies. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we have a monopoly right now in this country. I won't name the, the corporation. And they were actually, uh, re- well, they're still being um, uh, sanctioned in Europe, I think. But mm-hmm. ultimately, they were ruled monopoly, and then no, no sanctions were levied against them. But, I mean, they when, when you have so much of the market, market forces just don't apply. You can charge what you want and do what you want. Right. So, I mean, there's this myth that market forces always uh, apply and that you need a competitor and all of these things for the American way, I'm holding my fingers up as quotes, you know, <laughs> to work. And this is just a rule that's, it's just not true, but it's true because it has to be, as Noam Chomsky would say, you know, if it weren't right. true and people learned that it weren't true, they might ask and, and demand a different system of, that they're living under, you know, they might actually challenge the, 
the idea, this this idea of democracy and capitalism being the same and being linked. But anyway, yeah, back and, to the workplace. Well, and, and that's it's it's a very similar point that he also makes about, you know, some of these these myths of professionalism. You know, what you're supposed to be doing is being a professional. And the reality is the things that make these specific aspects of work uh, professional are the things that are counterproductive, like being in a, in, a, in a sterile location instead of being in a location where you can actually think and be comfortable. Wearing specific clothing in a, in a dress code that, that stifles creativity. And, and in most jobs, you still have to be creative unless you're just simply just doing accounting. And hopefully you're not doing creative accounting. And, well, that gets us back to the whole economy again. <laughs> That's right. How about... Um, how about, well, to take us off the job track again, how about hospitals? I, I've spent two days in a hospital as a patient, and they were the uh, worst. I mean, it was great because they discovered my food allergy, but they are the worst places in the world to heal. Well, why would you want a hospital, which is where people are supposed to be mm -hmm. healing, to be the worst places in the world to heal? The rooms are sterile, and I recognize that hospitals are expensive propositions to build because you, the, the mechanicals and the utilities, you have to run oxygen right. in every room. You have to have nurse call. You know, you got to have so many mechanicals and utilities running in each room that, you know, they don't have money in the budget for decorating. But I mean, right. nonetheless, it's, it's the worst environment in the world to heal in. You know, they're waking you up uh, all the time. It's sleep deprivation. I mm -hmm. didn't get any sleep when I was in the hospital. So how do they, and fortunately, I wasn't sick to the point where I really needed healing. You know, most of my healing took time and uh, it would have happened outside of the hospital. But what about the people who are recovering from surgery, for mm -hmm. example, who need a better environment, you know, and well, there you go. Well, how many times have you found yourself in your job being prevented from doing your job because other people don't want to do their job. It's the same thing in the hospitals. I mean, if you're trying to you're trying to heal and, and the environment itself is preventing you from healing. It's exactly. A, it's, a, it, it's a perfect parallel. Yeah. And I mean, he talked about that. Yeah, um, he did. And, and that was one of the, the funny things is that the people who are hiding behind their, their non-work actually interfere with the people trying to do work. Right. And his point being, you know, I'm being paid a salary. I'm being paid by the hour. Let's see. When I'm sitting here in the bathroom, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm making that money, you know? That's right. So why should I be doing something productive? And, and I'm a big believer in, in, in involving people in the process and making them feel, um, that they're contributing and making them want to work. I mean, it's not just money. Actually, they've done a lot of studies that show that money is rarely a factor, a motivating factor in why people work. Right. You know, Ab they, absolutely. They want to feel, um, they want to feel important, I guess, for lack of a better word. They want to feel like they're contributing. And, you know, well, they want to feel like if they're gone, that'll be noticed. Right, right. And unfortunately, the model that we've created in America right now is mostly service sector jobs and the jobs that matter we've been shipping to Mexico and, uh, and to China. So less and less is that going to be true. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm finally in a position where my work got noticed. I got a, a kind of promotion. Uh, well, it begins Tuesday, actually. Yeah. But um I'm at the point now where, you know, three years of work finally got noticed and the, the kind of expertise that I bring to the job is finally going to be applied uh, yep. directly in, instead of indirectly, which for three and a half years uh, was the way it was. Yeah. And, and I and not to start railing on on my previous employer, but it was it's just the nature of the beast. I was in a, I was in a very large employer. The company had thousands. John was of an employees. exotic male dancer, by the way. Yes, there were thousands of them. No, <laughs> I was not. That's that's not even a rumor that, that can be substantiated in any way. <laughs> I saw it on a blog, and if not, I can post it on a blog. <laughs> I can have it there by, by 8 tonight. 
Yeah, we're not going to test that. Uh, so anyways, yeah, I was, in, I was working for a company where there were thousands of employees. And in fact... John shared a cube with every one of them. Yep. No matter how good you did your job or how well you did your job, I'll, I'll correct myself before Rich does, no matter how well you did your job, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Nobody really noticed because nobody was checking up on you. And then if someone did notice, the other people around you would resent the fact that you were getting noticed. So that would prevent people from doing a good job because they didn't want to stand out. Just like high school. Nobody wants to be different. Nobody wants to be a target. Well, believe it or not, that would, I had great ter- trepidation at work on Friday because that's when we have our meetings, right? And he yeah. talks about meetings at length too and what's the right. point. And I, I, you know, these companies I used to be in, we used to have two meetings a week and I just used to sit around wondering what we're doing in there. It, to me, it just seems like a place for somebody to justify himself. You know, he has something to say, so he now has a forum to say it in, right? Mm-hmm. But we had a meeting where my promotion was going to be announced and I was, you know, very uh, nervous, I guess, would be the word, because uh, I expected fully that there would be some resentment, you know, among among the others. Uh, the reality is there's only one other guy uh, in the office who kind of has my background and experience who would have been uh, right, you know, in, in, in that attitude. But, you know, there are some petty people there. And unfortunately, um, you know, I, I feared the worst. But I think everybody actually didn't mind at all. Yeah. So I, I think that this all goes to the uh, the fact that I it, it really struck home with me the the points that he was making in this and that, and that he was actually calling for people to learn from from open source and blogging um, in like a, a ground up uh, model for for doing work bottom up as opposed to top down yeah bottom up as opposed to top down where he's he's saying that that people who have grassroots type uh, efforts will be more productive because they're more in tune with what they're doing. They enjoy the work, um, and they're doing it on their own terms. It's not something that's imposed on them. Um, and some of the things he calls for is, you know, not having fixed work hours where you can work from home or not be in the office when you have to be in the office. But instead of being judged by the amount of hours you spend in the office, be judged by the amount of work that you do. And I think that's perfectly fair and the quality of the work i mean that's yeah. a, the time thing is a big issue in my office for example um we have people a lot of people uh, like you with children and you know parent teacher conferences come up doctor's appointments come mm-hmm. up and all of these things and the these people will make the argument well geez i gotta go for an hour but i'll be back i'll even stay late for an hour if you want me to mm-hmm. and the answer is always no you have to use your personal time or if you're out of personal time you have to use your vacation time uh. to take your kid to the doctor and what that breeds is resentment among the workforce and why is that person going to work hard for you tomorrow when you're being a royal jerk to them i mean right. if you're a boss and you're just being petty or at least what the your employee thinks is being petty or or unfair. Why do you think that these people are going to work hard for you tomorrow? And I guess the answer is it doesn't matter. Everyone is replaceable, right? I mean, you know, yeah. if they want their job, you know, we've created again, we've created a job market in this country that's low wage. All the high wage jobs are are you know, difficult to come by, or you need a, a very uh, advanced degree to get them. And um, Unfortunately, uh, it's a it's an employer's market, you know. It's uh, yeah. right now, you know, they can do what they want because there will be another guy with a, a four year or a master's who can come for the interview tomorrow because the job market is so poor right now. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if you could just sit back, do your job, know you're doing a, a good job, um, and not have to have that 
over your shoulder worrying about losing your job as being a motivating factor the, the work itself motiv- be me sorry be be a motivating factor enough you don't have to have the the threat of of unemployment be well, I mean there. that's that's always been I mean we could get into the the classic um style of capitalism that's uh that's practiced here but I mean that's always been an employer's uh, strength, you know, the yeah. threat of unemployment has always been what the employers use to leverage you. And in olden days of like, I don't know, slavery, for example, the threat of death would yeah. have been something that motivated somebody to work, the, you know, to work harder for them. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm going to say that there's really not that much difference. I mean, if you're living from paycheck to paycheck and you don't have a job and you have children, bad things are going to happen if you lose your job. I right, mean, right. it's 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 ridiculous and people will do desperate things in those situation and, and they may turn to crime and we just need to turn it around. You know, we have a we have an audience now. We have a cooperative, a collective here. We need to start protesting and uh, and ha- making our voices heard. Yes. Fight the power. Absolutely. Don't give up the fight. Fight the good fight. That's right. Cliche yeah. after cliche. <laughs> well, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> well, I just wanted to end it on a on a positive note that I, I went from a, a very draconian kind of atmosphere to good word. It's a, I love that word. Um, to a, a fairly good work environment. It's a smaller company. I get to wear anything I want to work, which makes a, a huge difference. Can you wear a towel? I, um, only under my clothing. Our dress code actually isn't all that draconian. Um, for a while, it was ties. And in my particular marketing office that I worked in, it was uh, everything was done by phone. <laughs> so I always questioned out loud. But, and I like to dress up, actually. I do enjoy dressing yeah. up. But uh, I, I was in a, a bunny suit right now. I am. I was in my... Well, it is our Halloween show. Oh, we forgot to mention it. It is... Uh, hey, we'll uh, be putting this out on Halloween. It'll be released. It's being recorded on the 30th and released on Halloween, although we have no real Halloween theme, except for the color of the room. Yes. It's pumpkin, burnt pumpkin colored. Yeah, as they say about a broken clock, it's very similar. This room is right twice or once a year. That's correct. Uh, What the heck was I just talking about, though? I have no idea. Dress codes. I don't listen to what you say. Yeah, dress codes. Um, I liked dressing up, but, you know, there's a lot of people in that office who didn't like dressing up. And, in fact, if having to dress up bums them out and breeds resentment, why would you want them dressing up? They're going to come in the work going, and they're not going to want to work hard for you. No, to, I just to, don't get it. To to uh, one of Graham's points, he would be doing the same thing whether he was working for someone or not, except for when he's being told to do it, he starts to resent it. So I would suspect that if there was no dress code, people would dress better. Yeah, and the bottom line is, uh, and much to my, since I do work in a marketing and sales office, much to my boss's chagrin, I'm not particularly motivated by money. I'm one of those people who's not. You can't wave money in front of me and expect me to work harder. I'm motivated by excellence, and I'm motivated by personal excellence. I want to perform at a high level, but what I would like in return is someone noticing it every once in a while yeah. and maybe rewarding me in some way. Yeah, that, that's key. Feedback. Positive and negative feedback. Yeah, but critical, uh, constructive critical feedback is fine. I mean, there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. And, of course, a lot of bosses only know the wrong way. There's a really classic book actually called um, Five-Minute Manager or Ten-Minute Manager. Mm -hmm. It it was written in the 60s, and it's been updated once or twice. Sounds familiar. This is a book that every manager should read. I mean, I've read it, and it's got some very basic fundamental things that have to do with interactions and uh, relating to people. And if you're going to be managing people, you need to develop these skills. I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah. And, you know, the last word on this for managers. The second last <clears> word. <throat> the second to last word. Um, 
you're not managing resources. You're managing human beings. Treat them like human beings. Well, and also on that note, I am a person. I am not a consumer. That's right. You know, they always talk about consumers, consumer confidence. Well, I'm not a consumer. A, I don't just go out and consume and purchase and buy things that are plastic and throw them away. You're a machine. I am a machine, but I am not a consumer. And um, we need to change that, too. I mean, there's common uh, words and euphemisms that are used that uh, probably should change. And I guess we'll really need to change the economy fundamentally to do that. But let's go to work. We got a lot of work ahead of us. Yes, please do it. Well, I'm going to end that. And we're going to go into another song. We got a song. Yeah. This one is called Sound Scientist by Bill. Search of a 
Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, also from the Podsafe Music Network. I, I love the piano. <laughs> it's a great instrument. Yeah, not one that many people play anymore. I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we don't hear it much, and not certainly in in not featured that way. No. Certainly not on popular radio music. It's all yeah. tends to be very guitar driven, rock and roll. Yeah, everyone wants to be a guitar god, and none of them are. And sadly, but it's a, it's refreshing to hear something like that. You know, a Ben Foldsy kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, where I hear that before, I think you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not keeping, mistaken. Yeah, in keeping with our uh, work theme, is that a theme? Work? Sure, why not? Yeah, we're gonna we have, have declared five. it a theme. It has been declared a theme, and it is a new top five. We haven't done one of these in a few months. Well, weeks at least. So this is uh, top five, and I challenge you, Rich. Top five. Mm-hmm. Things that you would do for a job or a vocation if money or time were no object or issue. Uh, okay. Well, I, I did come up with a list. <laughs> you have a list. He warned me in advance, actually. Okay. In advance. <laughs> All right. So hit me with Nobody number five. Nobody in our audience gets that. But no, it's inside you. I, again, this is in no particular order. But um, I'll just start with what I have as number one, because it doesn't matter. So if, if money or time, I guess this one would mostly be money, because if, uh, if I could do this, I would certainly have the time. I'm, of course, a recording guy. I'm a recording engineer. I would open up a killer studio, and my goal would be to record worthy artists for free. Ozzy and Osbourne? He would be one of them. And by that, I mean, you know, if money weren't an object, then I wouldn't need to worry about where my next meal was coming from and things like that. So I would be able to actually take the time and hand pick talent to record. And I would pick guys that I see a great deal of talent in and think really need to be heard. And uh, I would just record them for free. My What I get out of it would be the the experience of doing it. I mean, every once in a while in the studio, I would record a, a killer band. And it would just be such a, such an amazing and rewarding experience. I got so much out of it that you know money pales in comparison to that, really. The creative mm-hmm. experience and the connection was everything. So that would be enough for me. And you know, I guess I would open up a label in conjunction with that, you know, some sort of record label to uh, yeah. to, to showcase their talents. But that would be my I guess that would actually be my number one thing. You know, if suddenly I won Powerball and had 180 million dollars, you know, done deal. Yeah, and half of that would be architect. burned on on promoting one guy. It would, and wine. <laughs> yes, and wine. Yeah. And the tour bus. <laughs> <laughs> the, painted like the Partridge family, That's actually. Right. All right, my number five, I'd be a candy maker. Really? In the vein of Willy Wonka. Oh, well, that's cool. And, and it wouldn't, I wouldn't just, you know, wear a silly hat and, and uh, say some odd non sequiturs. I would definitely just want to come up with some Really cool candies, chocolates, and that kind of thing, and uh, give them to people for free. You're listening to Wonka Vision. It's television. <laughs> that's right. No, Wonka Vision. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. I, I think I think it's cool. I'm a foodie. I, I love food, and uh, you could be Marceau, Marcel Marcel de I would do stuff like Death that. Death by chocolate. I would I would love to do stuff like that. Just mess around with food and come up with really good tasting treats. As long as you didn't make any taffy. I never liked taffy or anything of that that sort of licorice kind of gummy texture. Yeah, that's it's that's the uh, moral equivalent to uh, potato chips. Back to that theme again. 
Um, well, geez, now I feel bad because mine aren't nearly as, as clever as yours and creative. No, I thought but I've always, I've always, um, loved auto racing and John, I think, oh, can, yes. uh, John can, uh, line up with me on this one. Exploding Ferraris are mm-hmm. uh, something we both have, uh, witnessed. <laughs> anticipated. <laughs> it was, it was, it was greatly anticipated. And I guess I'd, being a race car driver would be great, you know, Formula One or, some sort of uh, sports car uh, road course division. Uh, I used to like IMSA when it was still around here in the States. Yeah. And I used to go see those races quite a bit. In fact, I met Paul Newman at one of those races. Cool. And yeah, race car driver. Yeah. And my my next one, number four, is, is similar. I'd, I would love, I, Richard knows this, I would love to probably be a, a race car driver too at some point. Um, rally race car driver, that would probably be one of mine. But that didn't make my top five that was probably going to be number six but this one is is in line with that pilot i would love to Mm. be a pilot because that's taken the same thing as being a race car driver one more level in fact physically one more level (laughs) way up in the atmosphere you're on the z-axis now yeah yeah i i just i love to fly and it shows that anyways i love i love flying i love taking commercial flights um, but i wouldn't just want to be a pilot like an airline pilot you know i'd probably want to be like a, a charter pilot going different places every single time um, I wouldn't want to be a military pilot because that would involve dropping things that kill people, but I'd love to be a pilot. That'd just be uh, a kick. I guess this shouldn't come to, uh, as a surprise to anyone who knows me, but another fantasy kind of, uh, career would be a uh, professional musician, you know, guitarist, um, playing the kind of music I like to play, which I guess I would call fusion to give it a label. But, uh, yeah, I would want to be a, a pro musician, yeah. That was quick. And you should. Yes. Yes. My next one, number three, a sculptor. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I've I've gotten some uh, classical training, as I've said, in, in the arts. Um, but sculpture is, is a is a a media medium that I that I greatly admire because it takes a lot more physical effort, um, and in many cases a lot more time than than doing print work or or illustration this, this stuff that i usually do what would you sculpt what material would you sculpt with i think that i would probably do all sorts of mixed media even involving electronics i'd, I'd probably build electronics into my sculptures that would be cool yeah that's Definitely. something that i always wanted to do it just takes so much time that it's just not happening for me these days so for me that one is a definitely not not so much money but time that's the one that's a killer for me yeah definitely um, my number four, or whatever this is, for lack of no real order, and this is kind of the hokey, um, well, I hope you don't find it hokey, but I would, I think I've thought about this, actually, you know, if I were ever in a position to be able to do this, what what a joy this would be to, to do, to be able to get involved with, and I, I don't really have a job title or description for this, but what it would be, it would be kind of a coordinator who coordinated like those make-a-wish events Mm -hmm. for kids who wanted to meet somebody famous or do something and in many cases for those kids it's before they die you know they're they're kids with terminal illnesses or something like that i think it would be really rewarding and in a probably the most amazing way profoundly way possible to be able to get to know these kids and, and work with them and and make some sort of dream or fantasy for them come true i i think that would be a pretty amazing thing to do no there is a title for that yeah. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. I think being, okay, I want to be Santa Claus. There, there you, you go. go. Next one. For me, I'd probably want to be a writer or publisher of a magazine. I think I'd like to get involved in that process of putting a whole periodical publication together. Well, we we kind of are. 
In, in a, oh, wait, we are, yeah. In, in a way. So but, one of my dreams is coming true. And we have plans for a literal publication, actually on paper. So yeah, all, no. of, all of our listeners can look out for that. Yep, so... Well, you can probably see why I'd want to do that then. Well, this one, this one's one that hopefully will come true uh, in the year 2006. Cool. Yeah, but I, I definitely think that uh, doing some sort of a publication to put some message out there on a regular basis is uh, something that I could probably get behind for the rest of my life. I think that would be great. And my last choice would be, what was it? Um, drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. What was it that... Um, David St. Hubbins said in Spinal Tap, uh, if you weren't a rock and roll musician, what would you be? That was actually a question they asked of the band in the film at one point. And he goes, <laughs> I don't remember I, that. Yeah, David St. Hubbins, played by Christopher Guest, also known as uh, Lenny from Laverne and Shirley, uh-huh. said something like, oh, I, I think I'd be a full-time dreamer. <laughs> and I guess that's sort of a little bit like my last one. But I guess uh, not in keeping with being a full-time dreamer, I would... Uh, if I had time and money, I would just sleep, drink, and eat. You know? yeah. That's really what it boils down to. You mean a to. slacker? I would be a slacker, you know? And I would occasionally yeah. record people, and we'd still put out our podcast. But, you know, I see no shame in slacking, to tell you the truth. No. and um, Citizen of the world. <laughs> it's, it's very uh, – it's not particularly stressful, and I hate stress. <laughs> and, um, you know, hey, slacker. That's me all the way. Yeah. I'd still go out and ride 50 miles a day on my bike or something like that. And, and it's funny. You'd be accountable for no one. I would. I would accountable be accountable to, to no, to no one, one except myself. But I mean, last summer, I actually had someone in my family call me lazy, right? And it was like on the day that I had done like a 65-mile bike ride. And I said to them, how could you call me lazy? You know, don't confuse what is going on here in that particular <laughs> moment for laziness because I'm not lazy. You know what I mean? You don't go out and ride 65 miles a day on a bike if you're being lazy. So I would be a slacker, but not, I mean, I wouldn't be sitting around, you know, taking hits off of a bong and you know, <laughs> gaining 20 pounds a week or anything like that. Becoming an expert on some television show. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a, it's, you call me crazy, but I think it's a great aspiration. I would do it differently though. If I were, Choosing that to be one of my top five, I'd be a professional student. I would just go to school and stay in school and take class after class after class and learn as much as I could. That's I love I thing. love being in class um, and participating, not just sitting there listening. But my number one, and this is probably no surprise to Rich, I'd probably be a cartoonist. I guess I'm not surprised. I would have thought digital animator would have been where you went, but... You know, well, that's just it. You know, I, I've been exposed to a lot of that so much that I realize the value in handcrafting things. And I think uh, cartoonists do a, a wonderful thing. Every single line in a, in a cartoon panel is, is handmade, unless people are putting things together using Illustrator or something. But I don't see any of those. It's all handmade. It's witty. They're putting the dialogue together. And in most cases, they're even hand lettering. So... I think there's uh, something something to that. I'd love to do it. Cool. That's it. I'm done. We got no show. We, we should just turn the volume down right now. Yeah. Or better yet. Or no, let's not. I kind of wanted to make a do another one of my 13-second film reviews. Oh, yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. I was going to do two, but the show's just gone to the point so long that I don't feel like editing a really long show. So I'm going to cut <laughs> out my second film review, and I'm going to talk about a film I saw at mwpai.org. Called 2046, 2046, uh, I think it's a Chinese film, maybe, by Kar Wai Wong. 
And this is another one of these films that uh, was perhaps a little bit more abstract than my geeky linear mind uh, can appreciate. And while the visuals and everything were very entertaining, I still don't know what the film was about. So if anyone out there, our friend from Colorado, (laughs) who uh, sent us that audio feedback and loves film and wants to be a filmmaker, if anyone out there can explain to me what this film was about. Or what they think the film was about. Exactly. Send it to feedback at bloodyvetch.com because we want to know. And that's my 13-second film review for the day. And that's it. Show over. Nothing left. Get in touch with us at feedback at bloodyveg.com. Check out the blog, www.bloodyveg.com. No, I think you got uh, one extra W in there. It might have been one or a half. A half a W. I got an extra V in there. Yeah. And as always, we're going to have every single thing that we mentioned on this show in the show notes. Links and all. Yep. So, we'll see you next time. I forgot. You're listening to V-I-B-B.